Welcome to the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork. That include training tips, a behind-the-scenes look at what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Jill Marie O'Brien and Steve Dutata about the Canine Nosework Shelter Program. Before we start diving into the podcast episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction of myself. My name is Diana Santos. I'm the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, Dogsport University, and Pet Dog U. These are online dog training platforms that are designed to provide high quality dog training instruction to as many people as possible. And we're very fortunate to have a client basis worldwide. For Setwork University in particular, we provide online courses, seminars, webinars, and eBooks that can help you achieve your Setwork training goals. Whether that's getting started in Setwork, developing some more advanced skills, or getting ready for trial, we have a training solution for you. So to know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. In this episode, we're very fortunate to have a conversation with Jill Marie O'Brien, the co-founder for NACSW, as well as the founder for the Canine Nosework Shelter Program, and Steve Dutata, a CNWI who is spearheading the Canine Nosework Shelter Program, particularly in promoting it on social media and helping it grow. So let's take a listen to that conversation. Basically, what I'm hoping that we can do today is just allow the people who listen to the podcast to have a better understanding of the Canine Nose Work Shelter Program is all about, why it started, and what the goals are. So, Jill, if you just want to give us just a short overview of what all that is, and then we can talk with Steve about what he's doing with social media and what the goals are going forward. You know, because of my sort of life prior to Canine Nose Work, and yes, you know, some of us had a life before Canine Nose Work, as shocking as that may seem to uh, a few. But, um, you know, my experience was primarily working in the shelter and rescue environment. So I spent 14 years running a behavior and training department for a big shelter organization here in Southern California. And while I was there, you know, I also uh, started working with Ron Gaunt and Amy Huro, who were the co-founders of NECSW and the Canine Nosework Education Division and Training. And so... you know, in that time frame, you know, I was working with Ron and training with Amy and we were working detection dogs and, you know, and the dogs are having a great time and simultaneously, you know, I've got my, my stuff at the shelter going on, working with rescue dogs and special needs dogs at the shelter. And it dawned on me how much what we were doing with the dogs, which was very structured, but yet it was very dog driven, how... I thought shelter dogs as well as companion dog owners or sport dog owners would benefit actually from, you know, canine nose work, that style of training, because there's a lots of ways to train detection dogs, you know, and, you know, oftentimes detection dogs for the work part of it are selected or bred for that purpose, right? The purpose selected or purpose bred. And the reality is most dogs can do it. They just might not do it at the same level that a professional dog might do it. But we knew that they thrive. So we started playing around with it with shelter dogs and we saw a lot of benefits. Obviously, you know, anecdotally speaking, we weren't doing any research projects or uh, collecting data on, you know, how many barks in the kennel less we were getting on a daily basis because dogs were doing nose work. But what we were seeing was dogs that were easier to handle. um, They were overcoming, you know, certain issues. And basically we're also just having a good time because the reality is with any shelter, um, you know, even a no-kill shelter, to be honest, but with any shelter, you know, some dogs are actually not going to make it out. (laughs) 
the best we can do for them is make the time that we have them as full and as enjoyable as we possibly can. And ideally, if we can also enhance the quality of their lives and if they do have challenges behaviorally, that we can help improve those to make them better companions once placed, that's like, that's even a bigger bonus. So it, it kind of came from that, you know, the working with the detection dogs, doing canine nose work with the general public, our general class participants, because we, we first started canine nose work, just a s small class in 2006 of six people, and now there's, I don't know, NACSW has 25, I don't know how many thousands of dogs have come through, and, you know, human member registrants and other organizations liked what we were doing and decided to duplicate what we were doing and morph it in their image, and now it's spread around the world when it was just this, you know, fun thing that we were doing. We saw the benefits for the working dogs, for the companion dogs that already had their forever families, whether they were sport dogs or just companion dogs. And I really felt that it was something that could really, really help dogs that are in the rescue shelter environment, especially those that are kennel um, held as opposed to in foster homes. But even for foster dogs, it's a great way, if you can get people together, to run something that's fun, that's not an obedience class, and really get your eyes on how the dog's problem solve. If you, I think if you understand how an individual dog problem solves, I think what you can see is who that dog really is, what their personality type is, what their frustration threshold is going to be. You know, there's a lot of behavior evaluations out there, and I have learned more from doing this with dogs and i did thousands of behavior evals but i often learned more about the dog doing this than i did with you know preset behavior evaluations ones that i even developed so that's kind of the overview and now you know we do seminars and obviously with covid we did a webinar last year that's still available for anybody that wants to you know take a look at it it's we kept it open so that's available on the uh, canineknosework.com site so um, and that steve really has taken the reins especially with the social media stuff to really start showcasing a lot of the work that volunteers are doing and that some of the progress that the dogs are making perfect and i think that's just amazing that you were able to recognize the value that this activity had and that you were able to say okay this population of dogs they would really benefit from it and that's something that over the years as trainers we've been able to see that this is an activity that is so beneficial for this population of dogs so that even for myself with doing behavior modification with dogs who are in foster homes using canine nose work or nose work with those dogs help them immensely with weaving it into their behavior modification program. So the fact that you were able to recognize that even at the very baby parts in, of the journey of creating canine nose work is really amazing. And the fact that you have this whole program that's supposed to help these dogs is great. So Steve, did you want to talk about what exactly you're doing as far as with social media? Because we're seeing so many more posts and all these wonderful <laughs> videos, and I keep sharing them all the time, and they make me smile every single time that I see them. So you can just talk a little bit about that. Jill Marie just got tired of me bombarding her with all the videos that I was sending her. And <laughs> so I was like, hey, are you just, you know, start posting them yourself. So from there, I just kind of, you know, just started posting videos, mostly the work that I did um, at my own shelter, you know, San Clemente, Dinapoint Animal Shelter, and then um, just reached out to 
all the different programs that, that I knew of that were doing one and just kind of hit up the the instructors and the people, the, the volunteer coordinators that were running those programs and said, hey, just start sending me, you know, your videos so that I can, you know, put them together and just let people know about what's going on with, the, you know, with the program and, and the goal, hopefully just from promotion there, you know, I think we've gotten uh, probably about 15 just in the last couple of months, you know, new inquiries and people that are just like, hey, you know, we want to do this, you know, with our shelter. And so we turn them on to, you know, the different resources that we have uh, to get people started. So it's, you know, like you said, just seeing the dogs doing the, the nose work themselves, whether it's just searching boxes or whether they're, you know, searching a car or outside area or, you know, searching in Hawaii or Australia or just wherever, you know, it's all over the place. You know, I think the commonality is that the dog, you know, you see certain things in, in the dogs, regardless of where they are in the country, you know, uh, Florida dogs are doing the same things that dogs in Hawaii are doing. And um, it's just the way that the program is structured. It's very easy to do. Um, you know, anybody can do it. Any dog can do it. There's great benefits that, that the shelter dogs are getting from it. Um, whether they are harder to adopt dogs that are just kind of bored or they're high energy dogs that are, you know, just kind of need that edge taken off of them or they're shy, shy, timid dogs that just need a little confidence boost. Um, you know, there's definitely classifications of dogs that, that, you know, you can sort of use the training to target and bring certain things out, but every dog, you know, we get dogs that are, Oh, sure. We'll put them through. And then two weeks later, they're gone, <laughs> you know, but they got to do it. And it's like, all right, well, you know, if they're, if their new families want to continue with the, with the training, I've turned some people on, you know, that have adopted dogs that were, you know, in various stages in our programs and they're continuing on their own. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun for me to do it. So. That's awesome. So for people who hear about it and they're like, okay, this kind of sounds interesting. I'm a volunteer for a shelter. I now want to maybe have this featured in our shelter or offered at our shelter. What do I do? So we have the webinar that Jill Marie did. It's a great starting point. I think it's like an hour and 15 minutes, you know, just to, to watch that and kind of get the, the uh, overall picture of that. There's some great articles. Um, that people have, have put out and I think I put a couple of them on the Facebook page already that just provide a really good overview of, of what the training's all about. Um, and I think the webinar really uh, just type, takes people step through step on, on how to start the program. Um, we are working on kind of a written document to go along with that. It's just really step by step. I mean, here's how to select dogs, here's what to look for. Um, Here's the equipment that you'll need, you know, this many boxes, go to Dollar Tree, you know, Amazon boxes, doesn't matter what you use. Um, you know, here's lesson one, here's lesson two, three, four, five. And then from there, you can just kind of, you know, go with it on your own. The one thing I want to say is like, really, the the idea was that the shelter dogs can do exactly the same things that any dog that already has a forever home can do. So the program is, you know, whether you're starting with a dog in somebody's in a class or with, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one with somebody or a dog in a shelter, it they all start the same way because, you know, the way we think about it, we're starting from a very um, 
foundational level to build dogs up, even dogs that might appear high drive and, you know, really strong working dogs, we kind of want to get a nice baseline on them anyway. You know, what is this dog really going to work for? What are they going to get turned on by? All that. And other dogs need a lot more finessing, um, convincing that, you know, things are not going to get them in trouble because a lot of dogs also in the shelter have had a lot of potentially um, unfortunate, you know, experiences with training or with people and it might have a little bit of either learned helplessness or just really no clue how to function. So it's, you know, when we first started, you know, developing canine nose, and then specifically canine nose work, not just generic nose work, but the, the model of working with the dogs uh, through canine nose work was that it was something that every person regarding, regardless of training skill, and I'm not, and I'm talking about with, you know, if you're working in a shelter, you obviously should have some, um, training on how to work with dogs within the shelter that you don't know safe shelter practices that is one piece of it but basically that it should be something that's simple enough that anybody can do it you know um you know we've got we've had people you know that ha are older that have had injuries um we've, people you know that are in wheelchairs dogs that are in wheelchairs dogs that have all kinds of behavioral baggage or training background and you just start off on a clean slate and it's very simple and the one great thing you know sort of we talk about using boxes is one thing you have in shelters is lots of boxes <laughs> you know you get things delivered all the time you know it's like it had when as somebody that's worked in a shelter and that's had lots of trainers come in you know with special programs or they're going to come in somehow they're coming in to save the day with their special training and all you can think about, even as a trainer in the shelter, which you would think, oh, this is great. And a, a professional trainer is like, how many resources is this going to take? How many people am I going to lose to some special program? You know, what tools are they going to start demanding that we have for them to use? I mean, the thing with canine nose work is to get started, you need some boxes or some kind of containers. If you're worried about, you know, um, spreading a little colds around the shelter, you use washable containers. It doesn't have to be cardboard. We just use cardboard because we know it's accessible, it's easy, they're quick, easy to replace. But use plastic shoe boxes that can get washed with soap and water. I mean, it, you can keep it pretty straightforward. Um, and it's simple, you know, eat food and toys and that's pretty much it. You need a way to get them from the kennel to, the, to where you're working. And if you don't have an indoor place that's secure, you just do it on leash or on a long line. You know, it doesn't have, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, on the canine nose work sort of education or training division side that we're so um, rigid about certain things. But in reality, we're not like, okay, if you don't have what the ideal is, you just make, get as close as you possibly can and make do with what you have. And, and in a shelter, sometimes you do the best you can with what you have. And it's really the people that are the quality of the facility, not the fancy buildings and the fancy, you know, gizmos that a, any organization might have. It's the quality of the people inside the building and, you know, um, making sure that they have access to ideas and concepts that help them feel like they're contributing to more than just feeding, watering, and, you know, hosing out kennels, I think is an important um, part of the psychological benefits of doing fun things, but that don't suck so much out of their day. You know, and volunteers are great in a shelter, love volunteers, but volunteers can also be a, um, a resource drain if you're low staffed, if you have to manage too, too much of the volunteers. So getting something that's easy to do and implement, I think is key. And that's, 
that's one of the key things for me with this is that it, it's so simple to do basically you know um i just recommend that you have to know the dogs that you're working with like don't pick the dog with the worst resource guarding or food guarding issues to you know with your inexperienced volunteers or at all for canine nose work in the shelter that's a whole nother issue but um you know for your nice dogs with moderate challenges you know it's a great way to burn off energy and do it in a safe safe and productive manner it gives them a productive way to burn off energy um, and that is really important in my mind for shelter dogs play groups are great but not great for every dog and sometimes they bring out things that you don't want to see in dogs right so that comes down to the quality of the staff and the training there as well so this is something that's simple and easy and you can also get a lot of behavior information for like you know adoption prospects like what are you really going to tell people so um that's what i really loved about it the most like right out of the gate i just saw so many possibilities with canine nose work the concept not just for as an enrichment activity or a detection training or development tool but also as a way of evaluating dogs behaviorally for um uh, gaining the most information you can about them and what type of dog they're going to be and what would be the best environment to go into dogs with low frustration thresholds I mean, it's very obvious in a canine nose work environment that gets flushed out pretty quickly. So, you know, what kind of home would that dog go to? What would be best for that dog? You know, those are the things we need to know when we're placing dogs. So anyway, that's my little rant. Um, but <laughs> and, and every, the general Facebook group is available to anybody that's interested. And I think it's and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. It's just canine nose work shelter project right on Facebook. Yes. Yes. So for people who are interested in, in the entire program, what are some of the things that you wanted to let them know about as far as things that you've seen with, if I'm again, either a volunteer or a staff member for a shelter, and I'm thinking about this for the people who are saying, okay, from my adoption standpoint, I'm seeing all these really cool videos that you have on your Facebook page and they're really cute. Could this also help me promote dogs to be adopted? Is there some way that I'd be able to market this to say, oh, look what this dog is able to accomplish, what they're able to do to show potential adopters, oh, this is, you know, a dog you may want to give a second look to. Some of the videos, you know, that, that people have sent me have been, um, you know, kind of TikTok adoption promotion videos, you know, to, to specifically highlight that dog, like, look what this dog is capable of doing. Um, you know, whether or not somebody wants to continue with that training, um, you know, that's up to the, that's up to the person, you, you know, we show these dogs doing the, and clearly they love doing it, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's up to the human to decide whether, you know, that's an activity that they want to pursue or not. But, um, if you look back on the, on the Facebook page, I think just recently, you know, there was one done by, uh, Veronica out in Las Vegas. Um, it was a really cute TikTok video of the dog doing, you know, some stuff and they set it to music and, you know, it's, it was basically, um, uh, adoption promotion video that, that they just centered around canine nose work. So, um, you know, and I've, I've had a few of those, I think I put them, put most of them up on the Facebook page, um, to do that. So, um, you know, and and we've had, like I said, at, at our own shelter, we've had a few dogs, one of them that was just there for, you know, Bowie, he was there for over a year, and he finally got adopted. And, um, 
you know, his his new family was all into, you know, doing uh, following sort of the nose work. So I set him up with, you know, instructor referrals and all the resources on on how to get started on, on doing that. So they, in a sense, had to kind of catch up to where, you know, Boy was because he'd been doing it for, you know, he was he was pretty far along. I mean, we didn't put him on odor or anything, but you know, he was certainly ready for for transitioning to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, highlighting, you know, what these dogs are doing and that, you know, they're, they're focused, they can do this job. If somebody wants to follow through with that, you know, they can certainly see that. Um, one other thing to backtrack on that, you know, we, I, I posted a video on the Facebook uh, page, you know, it's, it was basically the same dog, uh, going through the first five weeks or five lessons of the whole program so you know you uh somebody was to watch that you know they're probably like a minute or a minute and a half long they could just see you know here's what here's how to get the dog started oh, and then here's the next step and the next step and the next step so you know it just kind of took through the whole uh intro program which is kind of the same as intro to nose work at least the way that i teach it um so you kind of just saw you know oh this here's one dog just doing it and how, and it wasn't edited or, you know, second take or anything like that. It was, you know, just me holding a camera showing, you know, what this dog is doing, you know, pass or fail or, you know, good or bad, whatever, whatever they did. And, you know, I think all the, at least the videos that I've done have all just been, you know, straight out of the box. Here's, here's what you get. Um, you know, they're not edited, they're not, uh, doc, you know, doctored up or showing the best of or anything else. It is the dogs doing what they're doing. So, you know, I, I think the enrichment part is just the fact that they're um, tapping into that search and hunt drive. You know, the, the search is really what's rewarding for the dog. Yeah, they want to find their piece of string cheese, but it's the whole process of, of letting them search and, you know, hunt for that that piece that, that really keeps them going. Perfect. And the other thing I wanted to point out was that, so you, and you both were saying, it's just wanna make sure that people are clear, is that for this program, typically speaking dogs, cause again, you don't know how long they're gonna be in the program before hopefully they are adopted, that they're hunting for either toys or uh, treats. They're not gonna be putting on odor, typically speaking. Would that be correct? Some, some, some programs do have the dog searching for odor, which is fine. Uh, I think it's a matter of personal preference. For me personally, I prefer not to do it, have the dog searching for odor. Um, they get the benefit of searching for their piece of string cheese, just as they would for odor. So um, it's guaranteed. I've never seen a dog, you know, be like, oh, bored. I'm, I'm not, not going to find my cheese anymore. You know, I'd, I'd rather have something else to find. Um, so it's just easier, you know, you can kind of standardize it. So oh, one dog is at this level of training on odor. So now we have to, you know, do, you know, adjust for that. And that these dogs were only searching for primary. So now we have to switch up or create some running order of dogs. And then, you know, if somebody does want to continue, you know, with the training, it's much easier for them just to learn and play catch up when they're just searching for primary versus like, oh, here's some odor now that you have to, you know, go through all the odor uh, handling and, and information that goes along with, with dealing with that. 
if you're switching volunteers around and you're working with odor, same thing, you know, you have to basically teach people on how to handle the odor and stuff. So it's pretty, you can't make any mistakes when you're dealing with food. Thing that I learned early on, you know, I think day one of, of instructor training back in 2013 was like, look, you can't, you can't mess up. You know, you put something out too hard for the dog, that's food. The dog's either going to find it or they don't. And then, you you know, it's not, you're not breaking anything. Right. It's very hard. You know, it's very hard to break dogs with canine nose work, right? Timing, you know, having perfect timing, right? Like where there's so many methods where it's really timing um, reliant to it, to make sure that you're getting the precise behaviors that you want. And since this canine nose work was never modeled on getting a behavior for something it was modeled on the dog's ability to problem solve and building on the dog's natural desire to search to to hunt to problem solve all the things that they want to do naturally that's what it was really designed around so um it is much easier i i do agree with steve in a lot of um, a lot of ways that just by keeping the dog on primary and not worrying about the odor piece especially for dogs in the shelter is generally what most um, organizations or groups are going to do. However, for those that have opted, sometimes what's helped the dogs get adopted is by getting an ORT on a dog that's been a really long-term, you know, hold. That has been the selling point. Like, like this dog has passed this odor wrecking. It's like you know, getting a canine good citizenship test or um, uh, you know, the APDTs program, right? You know. They have a great program um, that they used to use with shelter dogs, and it's similar to um, the CGC, but it's a little bit more involved. I mean, those are great things that help promote individual dogs. And um, some organizations have found that getting the dogs on odor and promoting them now as having this test that they've passed that's similar to what, you know, these sport dogs do or what detection dogs do, that's a great marketing tool for dogs that have not necessarily been great marketers of themselves for whatever reason. And um, we do have a special, and it, it's pretty low key, so we don't like promote it a lot. Um, you know, we had a registration number originally that was just for shelter dogs. And, um, and if the shelter was aligned with an official or an approved uh, NACSW canine nose work instructor, either CNWI, preferably if there's one local or an ANWI or a PNWI, um, and ANWIs and PNWIs are in the process of becoming CNWI, which are certified nose work instructors. Um, you know, we have some that mentor with shelters, whether they go in regularly or they're just there for phone call mentorship. Um, they could uh, bring their dogs to an ORT and, you know, they can do the training, get the dogs on odor and all that we there was even a couple that were had been at their prospective organizations for a really long time and had made it past all their ORTs and then ended up being ready to do their NW1 title while they were still waiting for a home because the dog had been there you know so long in the rescue like they're like well we're just going to keep moving him up and you know he may never do nose work again but this might be the kinds of things that help you know get him placed you know so um yeah, so, I mean, it, but I think, as Steve said, keeping the dogs on primary is generally a much better thing overall from an organizational standpoint and a consistency standpoint. 
Um, you don't, like he said, you don't have to worry about, you know, switching dogs out and making sure certain volunteers know how to handle odor and not contaminating everything and all of that. So, um, and dogs don't care, you know, um, some dogs actually th uh, thrive if you set up the problems and other dogs, you know, just want to do great big hunting searches and you get to know who those dogs are with primary. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think that's really great what you both are pointing out is that, again, the shelters would be able to customize this for what works best for them, the resources they have available, the dog population, the volunteers, and that you probably could even have a situation where an organization said, okay, 99.9% .9 of the dogs we're just going to be using primary. That's what we're going to need. That's what's going to be working well for us. For the other 1% of dogs who've been here for a while, if they're still here and they're still in the program, maybe we can consider moving on to odor. And maybe then we'd be able to show, oh, wow, you know, this dog. And now, because again, people like think that odor is sexy. Oh, look, they're doing the odor surge. Aren't they just so amazing or whatever? <laughs> like vehicle searches, show them doing vehicle. Exactly. I know Steve has done some videos with the shelter dogs doing vehicle searches. I don't in general, whether it's shelter dogs or what, everybody wants to do vehicle searches. For some reason, there's like some sexy factor to like searching a vehicle until you've actually done it professionally and you've searched, you know, a thousand vehicles in a day. Or as like JC, one of our CNWI said, when you've searched a few million vehicles in your career, you know, <laughs> the sexy factor sort of, you know, but those are the kind of things that really get, you have to, you know, it, the thing with shelter dogs is it's about marketing. You know, it's like a, you know, matchmakers or, you know, match.com kind of thing. It's like, you have to find ways that highlight things that are the positive aspects because everybody has the assumption that every dog in a shelter is damaged or broken. And granted, you know, there are some dogs that are in rescue dogs that have challenges that are more extensive than others, but there are a lot of really great dogs still out there that just need an opportunity to have the, the energy challenged in the right direction. And, you know, the more that we can find ways to um, promote the um, positive pieces of these dogs, I think the better chance they have of finding the right homes. You know, it's not just about getting dogs. I also think that the more we learn about an individual dog, whether it's, you know, uh, training, canine nose work in the shelter, whatever, the more we know about who that dog is, the better we can make sound placement recommendations and match them with the right families. Because it's not just about placing a dog generically, it's about making the right matches so they last as long as possible. And also being flexible that if you make a match and it doesn't work out, that the, the family is in a failure. It just wasn't the right match. Let's help them find the next dog. And what do, what do we learn about that dog and that family that can help that dog find the right home moving forward? And we place the right dog with that family. So I think there's a lot of things. It's not just obviously canine nose work. There's so much that we need to, to incorporate into really good placements with dogs, um, you know, that we have out there because there's you know some dogs will make better family pets than others so steve um is for any of the other cnwis or anwis or pnwis for anyone who is throughout the program as an instructor who may be saying you know what i really like what all the things i'm seeing on social media i think that i would like to get involved would they be contacting you would they be contacting um who would they be contacting in order to do that and are they paired with a shelter or are they able to work with different shelters how does that work uh, yeah, so first of all, uh, actually during the last instructor program that we did, um, you know, I kind of gave a little presentation on 
on the program just to let them know right off the bat, you know, that, that, that it exists. And it's a, uh, that's actually how I got started doing my first um, training for my instructor program was, you know, kind of go teach classes. So, well, I was working with a, a rescue group already. So they allowed me to bring volunteers in and kind of, in a sense, you know, do the whole intro to nose work class as part of with the shelter dogs. So it was win-win for me, but that's a, it's a really good way for new instructors to get that experience level rather than jumping straight in and going, okay, well, I'm going to take paint clients and, you know, maybe I'm not fully up to speed on, on what to do with all these things. So it's a really good learning opportunity for the instructor. So we want them involved because they're the ones who can actually go out and start up a program at a shelter. So, um, but yeah, they can they can uh, either email me directly or shelterproject.kinetnosework.com. You know, it's out there. It's on the Kinetnosework uh, website also, uh, kinetnosework.com. Um, as far as, you know, if they were interested and we had a program, you know, they're all over the country that we have. You know, we're, we're updating a list, but I mean, I've got a list. So if somebody happens to be in that area, you know, or working with a um, CNWI in that area who's doing a program, you know, just put them together and say, here, you know, contact that person and, you know, make arrangements to, you know, go see what it's all about. Um, otherwise, you know, we could certainly walk them through going to whatever local shelter, you know, is near them that may not be doing a program if there is nobody um, currently doing a program near them, you know, hey, go approach the shelter and start your own. I mean, that's that's the way that all these other people did it, you know, just get get a shelter and it helps if you're already a volunteer at the shelter, because then you already have kind of that relationship with them rather than just walking in cold and saying, hey, here I am, I want to, you know, start up this program. You know, they, they may be a little bit leery or you might have to work a little harder on convincing the, the shelter director on on allowing you to do that. But if you're already a volunteer and you already have some privileges, you know, taking the dogs out, you're familiar with the dogs, you kind of got the lay of the place, um, you know, makes it that much easier. So to get out there and volunteer, get out, yeah, get out to your shelter. <laughs> Perfect. And so if I'm a volunteer for a shelter and I'm hearing about this, is there any kind of resources in addition to the webinar that you were speaking of before that I would be able to look at, read over, watch to have a better idea of what skills I may need or what knowledge I may need as a volunteer to be more helpful if maybe my shelter is considering joining and we're trying to find an instructor to help us? Is there something that I should do as a volunteer? Um, basically, you know, just familiarize yourself with how the program runs. And again, like, like Joe Murray said, and I've said, it's not that complicated to do. So it's not like this. So I've got to have, you know, all these years of experience of canine nose work to, to do this. I mean, we're talking initially, and again, you can see how easy it is by just watching the videos on, on the Facebook page. You know, we put them out there. It's, it's real easy. It's a dog, you know, you, you for 20 bucks of boxes or less than that, you know, Dollar Tree and some string cheese, you know, or whatever treats you have, you know, minimal investment in a, in a, a small space, you know, that's away from all the other dogs. One or two people, that's all you need. 
from a resource from resources and then put some food down in the boxes and let the dog go through you know show them show them it's in the first box have them come up eat the food bring them back have them repeat that a few times then turn them loose into the boxes and they figure it out real quick oh there's food in in some of these boxes I'm going to search for it. And then from there, it's off to the races. You know, you just build on that. Every, every lesson plan is just adding a little, little twist to that, you know, just build, build, build. And then pretty soon you have the dog searching the whole room or whole outside area or car, you know, for, for finding that, that one piece of string cheese or five pieces of string cheese, you know, whatever you want to do. Hey, I was just going to chime in too. The one thing that I always recommend though, for anybody we got, what, you know, uh, canine nose work aside, if you're working in a shelter, or you're working with dogs that are in a high stress environment, like a shelter can be, or recently placed in a foster home, and you're going to be working with them, whatever the case may be. Um, I strongly recommend that whether you're a new volunteer working with the dogs, or a more senior experienced volunteer that's been working with shelter dogs, you really should try and invest time in um watching or attending obviously a lot of it's online these days uh you know specialty seminars or webinars on working with shelter dogs on uh, um, behavioral observation skills um you know uh sue sternberg of course has got a lot of wonderful material out there that can is very supportive of creating a safe um uh environment and safe interactions between dogs and people within the shelter environment i i would strongly recommend um uh you know watching or reading any material that she has available um there are a lot of other people out there that are doing specialty things on either aggression or just good behavior skills and um, good handling skills for the shelter it, you know uh that should always be done um, aside, you know, canine nose work is a great enrichment thing for dogs in the shelter, but the better educated and informed the people are and the better interactions that there are between dogs and people um, that we're not putting dogs into positions in which uh, they might do things that are not in their best interest. Um, I think that is really important. And so as much as people, it's not just about I'm going to the shelter to walk dogs i think there there has to hopefully that um shelters you know are coming around i've been doing this for a long time um you know i had the very first behavior training department for a very large shelter that had been around since the late 1800s they had never had anything like that it was basically a two-hour training for volunteers and here's your choke chains and here's your leash and there's the kennels you know and that was it and, and it was fine it got them by but I, I do think dogs also have been changing through the decades and having a better understanding of them is critical and you know having that and having um something like canine nose work as a an avenue for really sound enrichment opportunities um for the dogs that are in our care i i think those things together can really help shape better experiences for the shelter dogs the people that work with them and the people coming in that want to give them um you know, uh, a place to go. So I, I think it's it's a much more complex thing, but the canine nose work part of it is the fun part. <laughs> like, that's the thing, and it's got so much, uh, so many advantages. And I do know that there's been a few um, uh, researchers and uh, folks at university that 
and specifically the canine nose work methodology, have been wanting to look at uh, this style of working with dogs um, for its very specific behavioral benefits and enrichment benefits, as opposed to just, you know, a training um, uh, sort of modality of uh, working a detection dog, right? You know, it's, you know, back chaining, and, oh, that's more training focused as opposed to uh, dog-driven, um, minimal human involvement in the beginning. So um, hopefully that will happen um, moving forward. But, you know, like anything, you know, it's all about who's available and who's funding things and what's going on. But Alexandra Horowitz, I know one of her books spoke highly of, you know, something similar, you know, the benefits of allowing dogs to do this um, type of searching, that there's a lot of uh, behavioral and psychological benefits. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's the most fun thing that I've ever done working with dogs and 30 something years of working with dogs. So um, I never get bored. I can watch intro to nose work the same webinar, same videos I've seen a million times and I never have gotten sick of watching them. I, I love starting new dogs. I mean, I love working with advanced dogs, but um, it's just, I never get bored. Do it's just fascinating. The science of it, not just the dog part, but the science of it is fascinating. Being able to see such a variety of dogs approach this and approach the problem solving, and you can see them working it out in their head. First of all, am I safe? Num number one. Number two, okay, I am safe. Am I going to be able to solve this problem without any kind of problem happening to me? Is it okay for me to solve this problem? And then to develop the confidence say, yes, I can, and be like, oh, I can totally rock this. I'm gonna go get my cheese, this is great. Like to see that progression, even right. for dogs who may appear to be totally fine, but they're always making those decision points is fascinating. And that's the one thing with all the videos you guys have been sharing on social media of seeing dogs who come into a space and they're like, yeah, I'm really worried about being in this space. And you just allow them to figure that out at first. And there's no pressure, there's no anything, there's no demands, no expectations. And then allowing them to build up that confidence and then go into, okay, now I'm gonna be able to move in the space. Maybe if I find one little cheese, okay, I'm good. To then progress to where the dog is able to work the entire space completely fine and free to understand that that is a skill that's gonna carry over for the totality of the dog's life. These things don't happen in bubbles. So I'm hoping that everyone can understand the benefit of this, particularly for this population of dogs. Everything that you've talked about before, being able to properly evaluate the dog, but also from a marketing standpoint of, instead of just the sad little inside the kennel photo of being able to actually say, like what Steve has been saying with his videos, they started here, but now they're here. And look at, now you can actually see them, they're a dog. They're not just petrified and shut down inside their little kennel. They have actually blossomed and grown by doing this type of thing where they're able to actually think. So I really, really hats off to all of you. <laughs> and uh, it's just so much fun. I mean, it really, it, it's, it is a lot of fun to, to see the transformation. You know, I remember you, you and me, Diana, back in Connecticut, like at a workshop weekend talking about all this stuff. I don't even know, I don't even think you were, as in the instructor program at that point, I think you joined after that and became a CNW, you know, but not that that conversation, you know, was like some change of mind for you, but it was just interesting, like, you know, what we learn over the years, like how much benefit it really, you know, just letting dogs just be dogs sometimes and that they don't need human beings to make them better at the things that they were actually born to be able to do, um, I think is a revelation for many. I know. <laughs> 
So looking forward, what are your plans going forward? What are your hopes and your dreams? And are there anything that the dog owning community as a whole, particularly those who love canine nose work or nose work as a whole, what is it that any of us can do to help? What do you, what do you think we need, Steve? Because I know that you're really in the trenches much more these days than I am. And you've really been spearheading, um, you know, the reach, uh, you know, the outreach through the um, Facebook uh, group and also the little mentor. I think it's, you've, you started the mentoring group too through the um, Shelter Project Facebook page. So what, it, what would you say is something that um, your vision for how things might move forward and what, how people could help um, support what you're doing? Uh, basically, what I want to see is obviously more shelters implementing the program. I mean, realizing you doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the videos, um, not just to the dogs at my shelter, but all the ones from all the other shelters that, that we've been posting, that all the dogs are just loving doing, doing it. So whether, again, whether it's just a straight flat out enrichment, something for the dogs to have fun doing, um, or you're using it as a specific targeted tool to deal with a certain dog's behavioral issues, whether they're, you know, kind of shy, shut down. Um, you can use that as, as a good tool to, to bring that dog out. Um, the, the more higher energy dogs, you know, you can definitely get them to settle down by doing it. So again, there's, there's different applications that you can use a training for, but basically, it's just for the dogs to have fun. I mean, that's that's the most um, important piece of it. And it's so easy to do. I mean, you you can't, like Jill Marie said, you can't put every dog in a play group. Yeah, play groups are great for some dogs, not all dogs, but I've yet to come across a dog either in the shelter or, or in my personal um, instruction, you know, classes that doesn't like canine nose work. I mean, I, I just, I've heard about them, you know, as people, you know, monitor Facebook groups and they're like, oh, my dog doesn't like food or this or that. I can't get my dog motivated. And, you know, I don't know. Um, I just haven't experienced it in, in eight plus years of, of doing this. So um, the dogs just love it. So I would like to see more programs get involved. I mean, that's kind of the CNWIs and ANWIs and P PNWIs responsibility i think you know that they hopefully will go out there and take the initiative to do it rather than being some you know requirement that they do it although i'm not opposed to that um and one other you know avenue also that you know haven't really uh done anything with except for thinking about it is you know using the canon nose work as kind of a uh, post-adoption adjustment tool for the dogs that have done it so they go into their home, they're with their new family, you know, maybe they're freaked out a little bit about the house or having, you know, if they're having a little bit of difficulty adjusting, break out a few boxes and some cheese and let the dog do nose work in, in the house or in the garage and just let them do something familiar that, they're, that they like doing. And I think if you're having, you know, any issues bringing that new dog home, you know, that'll quickly go away by letting the dog do, you know, what they love, what they love doing. That's a really, really, really great idea. Yeah. And I hope that people really are 
understanding just how powerful that can be of having a sense of familiarity, but again, with something that what Jill Marie was saying is not human led, it's not human directed, it's still tapping into those dogs instincts, their ability to problem solve, that's incredible. So yes, everyone who's involved with shelters, volunteers or otherwise, please learn more about this program and sign up and help your dogs. <laughs> and it's just fun, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't see dogs ever getting really bored. You know, that's the thing. It's more the people that get bored, right? It's like they want something flashy. The dogs are like, you know, just set up a little bit, maybe a little bit more difficult of a problem, you know, put the boxes inside, but, you know, and the dogs are like, this is cool, you know? So it's dogs, they, they're, they're always happy to just put their tools to use. That's what I, I always believe. I think they just need an avenue for that. Perfect. So did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add in? Otherwise, we'll just wrap up. I'll let Steve speak a little bit more to the shelter dog stuff that's available for people, Facebook page, you know, his uh, contacting him, etc. But for anybody that might be interested in finding out more about the Canine Nosework Instructor Certification and Training Program to become a CNWI, like both Diana and Steve are and have been involved with Canine Nosework in one uh, facet or another throughout the years. You can do that by visiting caninenosework.com and there are some links to information uh, about the instructor program and we're gonna continue to um, increase the amount of information we have available through the website. But if you just want uh, general information or wanna get on our list for upcoming webinars that are just general webinars or the instructor program, you can just email educationinfo at caninenosework.com. That's educationinfo at caninenosework.com. And somebody um, there will get you information on the instructor program and put you on our contact list. And we often send out information about uh, webinars and things, which you can also find out about on the caninenosework.com site. And, you know, just have fun, you know, whether with your own dogs, whether shelter dogs, you know, just... You know, remember, it's 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 a lot. It's, you should have fun. It should bring you joy as much as it brings the dog's joy as well. So I think that's the most important thing. So, um, Steve, anything you want to add and remind people of how to contact the Facebook group and email and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, if you if you find the Facebook page, just, you know, you can search for Canine Nosework Shelter and it'll be probably the only one that shows up and just jump on there, like the page or don't like it, just look through all the resources on there. I mean, our contact, you can message us directly through the page or email us. The email address is on there. The website address is on there. Um, but if you just look through, you know, take 10, 15 minutes and just kind of scan back through some of the posts and stuff, you know, there's, you know, I tried not to post too much stuff on there, you know, once or twice a week, you know, putting a new, uh, video up there of a dog doing it or some resource, you know, for people to learn about. Um, so all the information, you know, a lot of it is just right there on directly on the Facebook page. Uh, certainly enough to get somebody started or pointing, getting them, you know, pointed towards us so we can give them some more information and stop shopping right there. We were very fortunate to have this conversation with Jill Marie O'Brien and Steve Datata about the Canine Nosework Shelter Program. We'll be providing links to all of the resources that they were discussing, including the Facebook page for the program itself, the instructor certification program for the NSCSW CNWI program, and more on our Facebook page, where we'll be posting this podcast episode, as well as our website. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much. Happy training. We look forward to seeing you soon.